0: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I'm your host, Chase Cross. Let's dive in. Howdy y'all. What is up? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles. Very excited that you are joining us today. It's going to be a good one because we are going to continue our Bible study of the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. So if you didn't catch last week's episode, uh, not like, you know, the most important thing in the world that you go back and watch the episode, but I, may I just want you to listen to all the episodes. So it'd be very helpful, though, if you if you want to listen to uh, last week's episode, just because we kind of did an introduction to uh, Galatians and we busted through uh, Galatians 1, 1 through uh, 5. So today we're going to be kind of we're doing all of chapter one, and usually I don't do like an entire chapter, uh, but we, but the way this letter is structured, we we can kind of get away with this uh, at least for this this episode. Uh, and the, for those who don't remember last time, I mentioned that the letter is is structured in a, a certain way. So we have the introduction, uh, which is verses one through five, and in the, intro, in, in the introduction, words are a thing. In the introduction. St. Paul breaks down what he's going to tell us, right? In verse 4, he says, uh, well, we're starting in verse 3, so the sentence makes sense. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God the Father. So it's the three things that he's going to be talking about. He's going to be talking about who Jesus who gave himself for our sins, so namely his gospel. And then he's going to be talking about after that, Uh, The promise of God the Father, the will of God the Father. And then the last thing is uh, to deliver us from the present age, freedom in Christ. And so we have this breakdown of the letter, these three major components of the letter. But St. Paul does something a little bit different than he does in other letters. He he uses what's called narrative arguments here. So for uh, especially this uh, chapter, but throughout the whole letter, we're going to see a lot of narrative arguments. So St. Paul is going to be backing up his arguments by telling stories, by recounting events and to kind of, you know, back himself up. And we have to remember that this letter is written to the Galatian church, uh, which is, you know, a few different cities, it's a territory, uh, but it's also written in response to their inability to reject the quote unquote gospel of the circumcision party. And so this letter is very heated very argumentative in a lot of ways. It's not as warm and fuzzy as other of Paul's letters. And so with all that being said, we're getting into the first narrative argument. And so once again, this uh, verse six is starts his defense of Paul's gospel and Paul's gospel. It's not like there's, you know, multiple gospels. Uh, We we can't think of this as in like the gospel of John, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of Matthew, um, the gospel of Mark. that's, That's not, that's not the idea. Um, so it's, it's the gospel according to Mark, it's the go- gospel according to Matthew, it's the gospel according to Paul, the gospel according to John. It's not that they're different gospels, it's the same good news, namely that uh, God became man in, in order to save us from our, from our sins and save us from death and hell and offer us eternal life and eternal sonship through his life, death, and resurrection. That's the good news, right? Uh, namely there's a kingdom of God that's inbreaking into uh, the world, our present age, right? And so this is the good news, yet Paul's going to be accusing the circumcision party of corrupting it, of, of, of skewing it, of basically, basically just messing with it, right? And if you want to make St. Paul angry, it's to mess with the good news. That's, that's going to done tick him right off. Uh, we're going to see that. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and dive into chapter 1, verses 6 through 10 to start us off. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. All right, cool. So instantly, I mean, instantly, we know that this is a different letter than other letters that St. Paul wrote. Why? Because the first thing he says after the introduction is, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, namely God, right? Uh, He's astonished that they're deserting. He's astonished at their unfaithfulness. He's astonished at their lack of a backbone, right? Right. And so this is not a happy St. Paul. Uh, and you compare this to, to other uh, letters of St. Paul. Uh, one of the letters that is kind of the opposite of this one is uh, First and Second Thess- Thessalonians, right? We, we studied this a few, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago, months ago. But just quickly, in, in the le- first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, in the similar section of that uh, letter, we read this from St. Paul. 1 Thessalonians 2, we give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning to you you in our prayers, remembering before God our Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Uh, So, I mean, just contrasting that, section of 1st Thessalonians with this which is St. Paul saying I'm astonished that you guys suck so much, right? I and you know I, I'm astonished that you guys, you know, already have turned to a different gospel. And he says not that there's another gospel, you're believing a false gospel. A gospel that doesn't actually exist, right? And so the the Galatian church reading this letter, I mean, knows that this is Paul not messing around, right? And so uh, you know, you know, not that, Like I said, not that there's another gospel, but he says in verse seven, but there are some who trouble you, namely the circumcision party who was teaching, right? We read this in the book of Acts and the council of Jerusalem, namely that to be a follower of Christ, you had to obey the entire, entire ceremonial law, namely circumcision, uh, dietary restrictions, uh, calendar restrictions, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so St. Paul, I mean, kind of backing himself up once again here says, but even if we or an Angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. And this is our Greek word of the day. I didn't forget about it. I just want to get to this part. Accursed. It's anathema in Greek. It's it's total separation. It's isolation. It's it's you are no longer a part of this community. You are no longer a part of the mystical body of Christ. You are accursed. You are gone. Bye bye. Adios. See you later. Go to confession, dog. Um, and so let him be anathema. Accursed. Right, this is a a serious thing. He says it again, verse nine, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be uh, accursed. So this is not, you know, a copy and paste error. This is St. Paul saying, I'm gonna say it once. Now I'm gonna say it again so that there's no question. There is no other gospel besides the one I preached. There is no other gospel besides the one I preached to you. So the circumcision party that swooped in after uh, St. Paul established these churches done goofed, and their gospel is not the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and this is St. Paul saying, right? He's saying, I mean, double double anathema, right? Um, a curse to curse. You are not a part of the mystical body if you are following a gospel contrary to the one that you that you first received. And so, verse ten: For I, uh, am I now seeking the approval of man or? Or of God, right? He's not trying to water down his message. He's not trying to win friends. St. Paul, I mean, read the Acts of the Apostles. St. Paul really, really doesn't care about making friends, right? St. Paul got whipped. He got stoned. He got beat. Uh, he, he, quote, carried the marks of, of Christ uh, on his body, right? Namely he had scars from the the beatings that he received. He got shipwrecked. He, I mean, he got chased out of town. He, I mean, St. Paul was did not do what he did to make friends, right? It says, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So if St. Paul's desire was to befriend people and make them happy, he would be betraying Christ. He'd be betraying the truth. And this is, I mean, you know, we don't do this too often, but I, we have to, I mean, this, this is almost hard not to, bring into our own lives, right? How often are are our actions or words affected or hindered by someone else's opinion of us? I love this quote from Merton at Seven Story Mountain. He says, uh, how foolish it is that we strive to live in the imagination of others, right? How foolish it is that we strive to live in the imagination of others and it's not even a real place right it's it's you know it's this idea that we forfeit truth a capital t truth our faith just to just to please others and this isn't just strangers this is friends family your spouse your s- siblings your, your children whatever it is girlfriend boyfriend fiance right if what you do is so affected by them that you are basically renouncing Christ by your inactions or actions, right? You are you're not serving Christ; you're serving man. That's just the reality, and it's a, it's a kind of a blunt, harsh reality, but it, it's true. Our goal is to serve Christ in all things, and because there is no other gospel, there's no other Lord, there's no other King, and so. We get into now the first narrative argument, kind of backing up his claim. Why do I say it's the first one? Um, well, okay, so he made a big, Paul made a pretty big claim. Namely, his claim is that there is no other gospel. There is no other gospel. That's a big claim. Paul's got to back that up. They can't just take his word on it. So he's going to back it up with his narrative. And so we read starting in verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers... That the gospel that was preached by me, so namely the gospel that they can't reject, is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So St. Paul did not hear of the good news from one of the apostles. He didn't hear it from a, a disciple of the apostles. He didn't hear it from anybody, any any man. He it was revealed, it's a, apocalypso, right? apocalypse, right? Apocalypse was a revelation. It was a revelation of Jesus Christ when on the road to Damascus, right? On the road to Damascus, Saint Paul had his conversion moment. He had his his mission moment, whatever you want to call it, where he was literally knocked off a horse and encountered Christ who said, "Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, right? Because Paul, Saul was persecuting Christians, and this is a, a glimpse into the mystical body of Christ and St. Paul's idea of the mystical body of Christ. Why it was so important to talk about in so many letters, and particularly First Corinthians, you know, many parts one body. Because Jesus didn't say, "Why are you persecuting my disciples, my apostles, my brothers and sisters?" He says, "No, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, yeah, me directly, Him, Jesus Himself," and We continue with this narrative in verse 13. For you have heard of my former life of Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. All right, so a few things to note. So this is is continuing the the St. Paul's narrative, right? Um, We hear St. Paul's story a few times in the New Testament, particularly the book of Acts, um, and then here, obviously. And so St. Paul, he was... I mean, a zealous, and I don't know if he was a, a zealot, so there was a, a segment of Judaism called the zealots. Uh, I don't He might have been a zealot, um, maybe not. For sure he was um, a Pharisee, uh, and so he could have been a zealot, a zealous Pharisee. Um, but he was a zealous Jew, right? He, he was a Jew who persecuted Christians, who wanted to put them to death. He wanted to destroy them. and then he has a conversion experience. But one thing we have to keep in mind that, for Paul, this was not a religious change. He wasn't a Jew one day and then not a Jew and a Christian the next day. That's a, that's a misinterpretation of, of Paul. And uh, if you listen to my interview with Dr. John Kincaid and his book, uh, Paul, the New Covenant Jew, um, this would you know listen to that episode, read that book, it'll kind of help clarify things. But for Paul, he was... Paul never renounced Judaism as such. He was, a, the you know, we read literally in this same letter, we'll get to it eventually in, in 2.15, uh, we read, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, right? So he's a Jew. Like he says, I'm a Jew, but he's a Messianic Jew, right? He's a new covenant Jew, as, as Dr. Kincaid would put it. And so this is not going from Saint Saul the Jew to Paul uh, a Christian, no, it's not how Saint Paul viewed himself. He was still a Jew, but he was a Jew that believed that the Messiah had come and that he would, he died and on the third day he rose again and he ascended into heaven. And so, this is not a religious change for 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 Paul. Um, so he, but he is inviting people into a messianic centered Judaism, right? That namely, like that the, he was a Jew that believed that the Messiah that we had been waiting for has come, and so. Um, he was, and once again, he was advancing in Judaism. He was really smart. We know he studied under Gamaliel uh, from the book of Acts, who was the leading Pharisee at the time, leading Jewish scholar at the time, and uh, he, you know, confesses that you know when God saw it right to basically, literally, kick me off my horse. That's when, you know, according to God's will, that's when I encountered Jesus Christ. Um, and so and he says, I didn't immediately consult with anyone. And so in the Greek, uh, it's, it's, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, right? So uh, he didn't immediately talk to anyone uh, of this earth, right? Um, he went off to Arabia and in verse 18, right? Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. So St. Paul was literally by himself for three years in Arabia, And so during this time, we don't really know exactly what happened. We don't know if he was, I mean, literally living a monkish hermitage life for three years, or if he, you know, kind of lived in a town and, you know, was just kind of confused or praying for three years. We don't really know my personal opinion, and this is totally just my personal opinion. Um, There's some speculation that he went to the region of Mount Sinai of the Old Testament And so my personal opinion is I think he kind of went to that region, and it'd be really dope if he went to Mount Sinai. I don't know if he actually did, but um, I think he, he spent three years conversing with God, pouring over the Old Testament scriptures, constantly in prayer, constantly hashing this out, constantly trying to, you know, Basically, reconcile the 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 reality, the truth that he was that he encountered on the road to Damascus with Jesus Christ. So he's like, okay, Jesus Christ is God. Now let's look at the Old Testament for three years, and at the end of that three years, he's like, this is the gospel, this is the good news, this is how it all makes sense. And then that's when he goes to Jerusalem, right? So that's when he goes to visit uh, Cephas, um, Peter, right? And but he only stayed with him fifteen days, and so we don't really know what was taught. Uh, Maybe he just was given more information about the earthly life of Christ, about um, what they're doing in Jerusalem. Uh, But in verse 19, he says, but I saw none other. No, sorry. Sorry. None of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And that we just the word is Adelphois, which is cousin. Right. So James, the cousin of Jesus, by the way, do you know, Jesus had a cousin who was his apostle. It's James. He's awesome. He's a big dog. Um, he's, 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 he's one of the OGs. Um, and so James, the Lord's brother, and, and what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. So he's saying, it. listen, I'm I'm serious. I I encountered Jesus, went away for three years. Then I went to go hang out with Peter and James for just 15 days. Um, and and then he says, then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only we're hearing it said, quote, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. So, okay, first claim that Paul makes in verses, you know, six through nine, basically, is that his gospel, the gospel he preached, that's the gospel. This is the true gospel. There is no other gospel. If an angel of the Lord from heaven uh, were to come and, and proclaim a different gospel, not true. The gospel I preach to you is the only true gospel. And if anyone teaches a different gospel, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Anathema, twice, right? Um, and why can you back that up with such vehemence, with such intensity? It's because his gospel was taught to him by Jesus Christ himself post-resurrection, uh, post-ascension in, uh, into heaven. And so for, for Paul, he's pretty confident because, you know, he just talked to God directly and then talked to him again for another three years and then got the approval of the apostles saying, Hey, this is kind of what I've pieced together about the gospel to Evangelion of Jesus Christ, who I believe is now God. Is that cool? Peter and James, Peter and James. Yeah, it's pretty cool, dude. Dope, dope, dope. Go preach, go save some souls. All right, cool. I'm gonna go save some souls. Um, And so uh, St. Paul's rightfully extremely confident that his gospel is the gospel, the true gospel. And so this is the first narrative kind of argument that we have in Galatians. And so um, we're not going to get into first, uh, sorry, chapter two today. Uh, Chapter two is kind of a meaty one. So there's a lot going on in chapter two. We're going to do our best to get through the whole chapter in the next episode to see if I can not talk for too long, um, but chapter two is very interesting because we have the uh, this idea of Saint. Paul confronting uh, Saint Peter and then what that means. and then we get into the meat and potatoes of justified by faith. So uh, the back half of chapter two is kind of the um, one of the uh, theological hot-button topics of of Galatians. So we'll get into that next week on Catholics with Bibles. Once again, thank you so much for joining me with this episode of Catholics with Bibles. I hope it's been entertaining, and we'll see you next time. Adios, y'all. God bless. All right, y'all. Once again, thanks for joining us on Catholics with Bibles. My name is Chase Krauss. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review, talk about us with your friends and family. It helps people to find us easier when they Google Catholics and Bibles because as of now, when they when you put in that word, that phrase to Google, we're definitely not the first thing that pops up. So help us out, spread the word, show some love, and we'll see you next time on Catholics with Bibles. God bless y'all.